0: Welcome to On the Other Side, where we talk crypto, culture, and society, and explore how crypto might shape society and change how real humans live their actual lives. Well, I am here with Parker J. Pachirot from uh, the founding team of Boys Club, also an early stage investor in the FinTech Collective's DeFi Fund. Parker, I'm so excited to have you on the pod. I am absolutely thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I cannot wait to dive into Boys Club and all of the things that you've been up to. But maybe before we do that, you can give a little bit of background on you and how you fell down the crypto rabbit hole.
1: For sure. So obviously, my name is Parker. I'm an early stage investor in both crypto startups and tokens. And then I'm also a DAO builder and a DAO contributor on the founding team of Boys Club, which is a social club, a DAO, a community driving the future of culture in Web3. How I got into crypto, very unique story, I think, but I think that's true of everyone in crypto. Like I love talking to people about, you know, how they got into this space because everyone came from such different experiences and places. For me, Growing up and throughout school, I was never exposed really to tech, finance, like entrepreneurship, really any of the things I'm doing now. But somewhere between like my freshman and sophomore year in university, I started reading about the ethics of AI. And for some context, I was attending a liberal arts school studying something called critical theory, which is sort of like an interdisciplinary field that sort of combines anthropology, philosophy, critical legal studies, um, and other fields, but very focused on social equity and justice. And one of my reasons for choosing that major was because I've always been really interested in systems of power in our world and society and like how power is maintained, how it's deployed, what forms it takes, and how that shapes like the way that we live our lives. And so yeah, like I said before, growing up, like I was never around anyone who was into tech. And actually, most people around me were very anti-tech and saw technology as something that was bad um, and capitalism as something that was bad. And I never really like thought it was for me. But once I started discovering more and reading more about AI ethics, brain-machine interfaces, um, 3D printing... Um, I was like hooked, and I was like staying up all night every night reading about deep tech. Um, And I don't know if you've ever had a crush; you probably have. Um, (laughs) But if you know the feeling of like when you have a crush, you get like butterflies, and you just like can't stop thinking about the person all the time. At least that's how I feel when I have a crush, and that's how I felt about about tech when I was actually (laughs) making a lot of connections between like what I was studying and the opportunity that I saw for bleeding edge tech to have an influence on the world in a positive way. Um, In terms of crypto, I had known crypto existed for a while. So like I knew tokens existed. I really didn't like think it was for me. Um, I didn't really get it. I think my light bulb moment was really when I started reading about blockchain and actually like researching blockchain and learning about what it was. And that's when I realized like blockchain is an inflection point technology that just like ai just like computing just like the world of web has the potential to change the way that we live our lives in so many ways like to transform our not only our financial infrastructure but like how we share data how we express ourselves how we like coordinate how social mobilization occurs and in what forms and that got me really excited um so at the time i was in school i was also like working at a startup and decided to just like dive deeper to start working on some side projects and I really thought that would sort of scratch the itch I had to get deeper into crypto but ultimately it only ended up illuminating that like I really wanted to be in this full time so yeah that's that's a little bit about my journey.
0: I love that and I love the crush thing I feel like I, I totally feel that way when I find a weird little niche part of the internet or like new technology that feels like it's really exciting um there's something really like special about that period of time when you're like just discovering a technology you know
1: totally totally and like I still feel that way today too and I think you I I don't know I I read your tweets and I think you might like feel the same way but for me I'm so into governance um through DAOs, and I feel like I see the world through governance like in my day-to-day <laughs> life, I'm thinking about governance all the time across many different kinds of spheres. And yeah, it's it's honestly, like, it's awesome. It's also just really unique. And so I love finding other people to nerd out with about, like, the same things that
0: I'm nerd about. Oh, my God, yes. That's what makes crypto Twitter so magical. It's not even, like, it's not even exclusively what we're talking about. It's, like, the ability for everyone to just, like, nerd out together. Um, and I know you mentioned governance. I know you have been doing a lot of thinking and are sort of heading up a lot of the governance stuff at Boys Club. So would love to talk a little bit about like the history of Boys Club and and how you went from recognizing that you wanted to get more deeply involved in crypto to being involved in Boys Club and and what the creation of that looked like.
1: Yeah, for sure. So back in the day, I think it was like Bear, and it was mid maybe early 2021 i discovered this random twitter account called boys club it was like zero posts i think it was like a day old and it had a link in its bio and so i clicked on the link and i i got taken to this website that basically it was like this landing page and it was like we're hosting a dinner for women in new york city who are curious about crypto And you don't have to do anything about it. Just show up like, here are the tickets, like, see you then. And at the time, I was like already like pretty like deep in my crypto journey. But I actually didn't know any women in real life and definitely not in New York City that were like really into crypto. And so I was just like, wow, this is awesome. Like, this is an awesome opportunity to meet other women who are like potentially going to be nerds about the same thing I am, right? (laughs) Um, and so that got me really excited and I basically started messaging with like that brand account and then also like the brand Instagram account and just like riffing like super hard with the brand account like I didn't even know like who is behind the brand account or anything I would just like comment on their posts and we would kind of like just like riff and like it it was just like funny and after like a week of that I was sort of just like wait there's like people behind this why don't I just reach out to them so Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I set up a call with them and uh, the two people that ended up popping on the call were Gina and Natasha, the co-founders. And this was before like Boys Club was like, it wasn't anything yet, right? Like it was like an idea. It was like a landing page. But like after talking to them, I got really excited um, because I thought they were like really funny, really creative, really motivated. I liked that they were like kind of had skin in the game to just try and experiment with this side project. Um, and so, yeah, they invited me to that first <clears throat> smaller like dinner. And this is in November of 2021. Um, so show up at the dinner, had no idea what to expect. We were in this like weird warehouse type thing in Chinatown <laughs> in downtown New York. And I remember like I showed up and there was like this really pretty girl at the door, like checking out people's names. And I was just like, what is this? And we built this like weird, sketchy like elevator And it was like, it was so cool. I walked in there and there was such a diverse array of women, um, both in like presentation and in ethnicity and race and also just in background. Like I met women from all kinds of jobs and careers and experiences. So like some were marketers, some were designers. Um, I met like a biologist. I met a computer scientist. And all of them were there to... Learn about crypto, and most of them didn't even know like the difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum, and they'd never even like seen NFT. So I was like pulling out my rainbow wallet, like showing them my NFTs, and just like seeing them get so excited about it. And I don't know that really like that really struck something like with me because I think it's like really courageous. Like also a lot of them showed up alone, and I think it's just like it can be very intimidating to learn about like a new industry, especially like one that feels sometimes like inaccessible or like maybe if you're like i'm not technical so like that's also something that like sometimes i feel insecure about even though i'm like already like deep in this industry and so just like wow like this is awesome and i really like walked away from that dinner feeling like there's really something here so i called diana and natasha like the next day and i was like guys like i really think there's something here i think this is something that we can scale into like something really big. And I think this is something that we can also um, use to drive a lot of impact. And I want to be on your team. I know it's just you two, but like, please, please, please let me like spend all my nights and all my weekends on you. Like, here are my skills. Here's what I'm good at. Here are the ideas I have for like the first next steps of like what projects I could work on. Like, are you down? And they were like, fuck yeah. And I was like, (laughs) fuck yeah. And then like that week we like assembled like a core team. And from there, I mean, a lot has happened. We've grown our community. We've grown our DAO, which I'm pioneering, like the design and execution of our DAO. Um, And our DAO is currently like our contributors, like our contributor team. And then we also have like shipped and launched a ton of awesome projects. So like just to name a few, we recently launched a grants program We had a product studio, we have like product office hours, pitch workshopping sessions. We also did like a community built and driven NFT launch to fund our treasury, which was a really awesome experience. Um, And most recently our zine, which is physical and digital um, and really cool. And like one of the coolest things as well is like in in listing all these projects, like I probably worked on like one or two. Um, So like everyone in Boys Club is like working on different things and I really, I think that's really cool too. But yeah, happy to like also dive deeper into the DAO and like how that got formed. But that's sort of like a high level overview.
0: Yeah, I really want to talk about both the DAO side and also I feel like Boys Club is becoming this sort of media production house and is absolutely killing it on that front. So I want to touch on all those things. But before we even do that, hearing that story is fascinating and hearing like your excitement and that like just energy, like I can almost feel it when you talk about it. And I I think there's something really special about that. And what I've noticed about Boys Club, I feel like you guys did this from the start. Um, A lot of the projects in the space that have focused on uplifting and supporting like marginalized and underrepresented groups, I think have really struggled to gain like mass attention mass, I don't know, excitement within the crypto space. Obviously that's like a broad statement and there have been tons of amazing projects that have gotten a ton of traction. But there is something unique to how I think Boys Club approaches this stuff, and so I'm curious like broadly speaking how you think about the way that you all decided to position Boys Club to be this like very culturally relevant project.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And thank you so much for the kind words like that really means a lot. I think there's several things that have gone into that. First and foremost, I think Boys Club has a very distinct voice. So like we bring a voice of not just like what our brand and what our, you know, activities and community is about, but like our voice is like very distinct. um, And that's been intentional from the start. I think everyone on the core team is really funny, really witty, like absolutely has like a meme driven brain. And so that's definitely helped a lot to contribute. We also have a lot of people on the core team who have a lot of experience in branding and marketing. But I think like even departing from that, right? I think one thing that we've also really focused on is world building, right? To like to build a good brand in my opinion you have to build a world and you have to be a good world builder and that's true of community as well and what does that mean it means you're not just building a brand or like awareness around the most immediate activities that are associated with said brand but you're building a kind of like vision and ethos and vibe and it's like it's so much bigger than itself um so I think like having a distinct voice like having a sort of orientation towards not just thinking about building Boys Club as a brand, but building it as a world, and then also building in public. One thing that we've focused on a lot has been like a big emphasis on transparency um, and a big emphasis on just like shipping and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't and doing that in public. And for me personally, like that's been really scary. Like I'm, I'm someone who likes to feel like the product or thing that I'm shipping is like absolutely perfect before i put it out into the world and that's been like a big like learning and growth moment actually like working with my team but i think doing that in public as well has been big and then i think like also just our intentionality around being really receptive to our community and bringing our community in to participate in building what this is both in like very practical ways like like we just had like our DAO rush where people are applying to join our DAO and join like and become a contributor boys club but also just in like being really like honest and transparent and having feelings check-ins and allowing community members to like pitch their ideas and then running with them and then one more thing that I'll say is I think another thing that has differentiated boys club and that I feel like is a really important part of what boys club is is that although like the sort of mission and impetus behind boys club does have to do with this desire to bring new people into into the space and also to really create like a- an opportunity to invite people into the space who haven't had a chance like historically to participate in what we think is like going to be like the future of technology. We're not a women's group. We're not a sorority. And actually, like, although it might sound kind of counterintuitive, like, we're not really about like identity politics at Boys Club. So, while we have like a design focus towards women and non binary individuals, we're welcome and open to everyone. And I think that's really important because to us, like, our vision of inclusivity is, is not creating a space necessarily for an exclusive identity group to participate together although there's definitely merit in that and, like, definitely respect the other organizations in the space doing that. But, like, our vision of inclusivity for Boys Club is to create a space where we are really including everyone. It doesn't really matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter what your identity is. Like, honestly, we don't really care. And we have all kinds of people, like, In our chat all kinds of people at our events and we've made a very intentional push to partner with men as well in the ecosystem and so like that's been awesome too so i think like boys club is more just for like values aligned individuals that understand the ethos behind what we're building but we're not building for a certain demographic or a certain identity like label or group we're building for everyone who is value aligned and like who feels inspired or motivated or excited about like this vision and doing so in like a way that is fun and playful and edgy and kind of like provocative and like sometimes kind of based. And so I think like having that distinct voice is also a big part of that.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I love the call out around like, there's totally, you know, space for focusing on some of, of those specific groups and sort of being exclusive about that. And then there's also space for, like, inviting more people in. And I think Boys Club has done such a good job with this. Like, even the the whole, like, you know, having, like, Stani in the the zine and it being, like, DeFi Daddy and, and selling, like, merch. And I, I just think you all have done such a wonderful job creating that space and making it feel super fun. Um, so, like, big props on that but also you mentioned um the rush that just happened and sort of building this community of people i'm super curious when you think about what boys club looks like across these sort of different like groups it sounds like you kind of have like contributors you have community members you also have more of like a core team what does that breakdown look like Totally. And such a great question. I think this is something also that like
1: in the next season of our DAO, I definitely want to put more time and focus into creating more resources, like publicly available resources around this, but happy to break that down. So there's several layers to I would say, like, think of it as like an onion, basically. So like the first layer is like our audience. So this is like people that maybe you listen to our podcast or you follow us on Twitter, maybe you follow us on instagram maybe you follow our newsletter you're getting our content and you're like listening to it and consuming it the second layer which i would say like there's a very high barrier to entry for is our community so that is everyone in our discord we have a merit based application we don't and i don't think we'll ever financialize our our application or membership but we use our application as a way to look for the kinds of members that we're trying to attract which are People with high ownership. We also look for builders specifically and people who have a high openness and high curiosity to learn. And then we also look for people like who bring different experiences and insights to the table. So we don't shy away from bringing in people who might not be like, maybe it's not even obvious right that they'd be a good fit for boys club but but trying to bring in people of all kinds of different backgrounds and political affiliation and life experiences and orientations so that's sort of like the next layer so audience community and then i would say like the third like more inner layer is the dao so the dao is boys club's team it's everyone who's contributing on boys club day-to-day making Boys Club what it is and just like keeping it alive. Like everything we do, none of it could run without like this team basically. So, within the DAO and within like the DAO team, that's segmented into four different guilds, and guild is just like a code name for team. So, we have our membership guild, that's focused on protecting and nurturing the community vibes. Um we have our programming guilds. They're connecting people, they're putting resources into creating opportunities for like learning and collaboration within the community and building within the community. So that's like what like high pitch, like our demo day thing would fall under that. Like the the product workshops would fall under that. We have DAO Ops Guild, which I co-lead with two other guild leads. Um, And DAO Ops is focused on designing, iterating, and maintaining the DAO. So that's everything from like designing governance processes, designing our treasury management like strategy as well as like deploying capital for passive income generation. Um, And then also everything beyond that. So designing the organizational structure of this team and DAO and designing the protocols and expectations around contribution and so on and so forth. And then we also have our labs guild, which I'm super excited about and they are basically like a landing spot for experimentation. So they're going to be taking in projects from the community and really like working to empower them with resources and expertise and like a team. So they're like providing a home for boys club builders to make their mark while driving value back to the DAO is is like sort of the intention and hope there. So like we used to have A lot more guilds, the four guilds, membership, programming, DAO ops, and labs that I just described to you. This is sort of like a reformed DAO. We just went through this like really intense, really intensive, really emotional, really like thoughtful workshop over the course of like probably like three or four weekends, like refining each of these guilds and really deciding like how are we going to like move into this next season of our DAO? And part of that was also, you know, surrounding like the media company side of things and, like, spinning that out, which I can talk more about, but I'll pause there.
0: Yeah, that's really good context, and I want to dive into the media side as well, but I want to touch base quickly. You mentioned this is, like, really intense, really emotional. Can you talk a little bit more about why and, like, what that process looked like? Def- definitely. What the
1: process looked like, we had... An amazing contributor and guild lead on our team, Sam, pioneer this and really create like basically workshopping sessions for us to do this. And I think our entire team was kind of getting to this point of starting to feel like, okay, shit's really picking up. Things are like really scaling. And simultaneously, like a lot of things are breaking or not necessarily breaking, but more like cracks within the organizations and like our systems are coming to light and not in a bad way at all but like definitely we were like okay this is sort of like a next phase of like boys clubs like life and existence so we need to have like focused intentional conversations around this and really plan for that and like think about what's in and think about where we want to go and think about next steps so it was like a lot of Collaboration, a lot of like real time collaboration and meeting, a lot of like talking about where we want to focus, what's working, what's not, a lot of like really talking about like how do we best move into this next phase of growth and what does that look like? And what does that look like in terms of the org structure as a whole? What does that look like in terms of how we talk about Boys Club? What does that look like in terms of our internal team and like how we maintain the culture and how we maintain accountability? Within our, within our internal team, as well as like open up new opportunities for new people to join. And, and then more on the, so it was like a lot of like sessions, like very focused sessions. I don't know if that like answers like the first part of your question.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think like, I mean, it sounds like, I think anytime you have this need to acknowledge that there's like friction and challenges that you need to face, that's always going to be Emotional. And so I'm just always curious how people navigate it because I think it looks different for every orc.
1: Yeah, Chase, I cannot tell you how emotional it's been and not even in a bad way. Like it's been a lot of emotions. Mm -hmm. And I think like I can speak for the team when like I say like everyone is feeling really emotional about Boys Club. And but I can only speak for myself in like terms of like how like what what those emotions are and sort of like how they're playing out. So I'll only speak for myself here. But it's been something that I've been reflecting on a lot because when this started, when we started working on this and like these emotions are like coming up for me and I like didn't know how to like deal with them. And I was like, it was the first thing that I like felt like emotional in this way about a project almost. I think like for me personally, one thing that I learned is like scaling means you have to let go. And We've all, especially the people who have been on the core team from the beginning, like we've been like working on this like so hard for so long. And I know we all really care. Like one common thread about every single person on the team is everyone is a absolute owner, like takes complete ownership of their work. And with that, I think comes a lot of responsibility. And also with that comes a lot of like attachment, right? To certain projects or sh- certain ideas of how things should be. And it's less from like a a sort of like controlling or like political kind of kind of like framing but more i think just from the fact that like everyone cares so much about what they're working on in boys club and for me personally like i know that the way my personality is is like when i'm working on something that i really care about i want the quality of work and i want the output to be exactly like perfect the way that i want it so like if i have a vision for something I, like, want it to fit that vision. I will put in, like, like hours, like, hundreds of hours of work. It doesn't even matter, like, how long it takes to get there before, like, delegating it to someone else who, who, like, might not, you know, like, fully execute it in exactly the way that, like, I planned. And this trait has some benefits. It also, like, has some downfalls. I think, though, it's, like, it's hard to, like, when you feel that way, like, it's hard to, like, let go. Like it's hard to like let go of control at scale, um, at least for me. But it's necessary. Like it's necessary to delegate. It's also necessary to like let people like work on their own things and like let people experiment and let people fail and let people build in public. And all of that is is just so much more significant and meaningful when you've been working on from the start and when you have so much skin in the game. And so for me, I think like some of the emotions that came up were like number one, just like a lot of like gratitude around. Like, I feel so lucky to have met these people and like to be working with them. And even though sometimes scaling is hard and change is hard, like all of us are still like showing up to these calls on the weekends, right? Like sitting with each other, having these conversations, really being thoughtful and intentional. And that just like shows so much. And it also feels so special to be working with people on something that you all really, really, really care about and believe in, like want to succeed. And it's almost like parenting in a way. I don't know. It's like, oh, we have like (laughs) responsibility over this thing and like we really care what happens to it. And like we need, it, it just like creates like a different kind of bond. I think like a unique bond that's like not really found in a lot of other relationships. So yeah, like a lot of gratitude and a lot of just reflecting on where we've come. I think like also in the beginning, like in some ways I was feeling like very resistant to some of like the changes that we were making, like not necessarily specifically just like the the sort of realization that okay in order to like fully scale and like fully make Boys Club as big as we want it to be I need to let go of knowing what's going on in every single team in the DAO I need to let go of having input on every project that happens I need to let go of if someone like I'm to give an anecdote like if someone if we're like talking about making an announcement in the Discord um and we're like sharing the copy for that announcement i will like go into the copy and like make like a hundred edits like i care so much about everything <laughs> stuff, but part of this is like also realizing i need to chill the fuck out and like sit down and <laughs> shut the fuck up like and not and not do that and just let people do stuff you know so that's like speaking for myself and like it's still a process and like i've made memes to like cope about this um <laughs> like, like there are two like wolves inside of you scale and control and those are like that's mm-hmm. like the meme but yeah it's been something I've been thinking about a lot and I think it's like very unique in the sense that like when I was like going through it with this stuff and when we we're all going through it with this stuff like I, I went to like my other team my venture team I have two teammates Sean and William on the DeFi fund and they're like they're awesome they love voice club and I was like guys like I am so I'm having such a hard time letting go and I was like this must be how all of our founders feel. Mm-hmm. It's so emotional. And it gave me like a new appreciation also for like my founders and like just the feelings that I've experienced, you know, building Boys Club, which for me is not where my my income comes from, right? Like it's, it's more of like something I really care about and that is fun. But for people who are putting their whole lives into something like that's so emotional. And now I get why sometimes, you know, I'll give like a founder feedback on, maybe you should try this vertical. Maybe you should try doing this thing differently. I know it's not your initial thing, but like, let's experiment. And they're very like, sometimes very resistant to that. And now I get that. Now I like, I've been there. So yeah.
0: That is fascinating. And I love this distinction between what was it control? What's the other wolf? One's control and one's scale. Um, That is to me, one of those things where you see it again in founders all the time. And what's interesting, I think, is that when you are early in any organization, I think you feel a really strong sense of ownership and, like you mentioned, um, care for how things are done and, and all of that. And it feels like in probably in any org, this is true, but in DAOs in particular, like, One of the ways that I think that starts to manifest is, like, this this collective sense that, like, something needs to change. And it sounds like one of the things that you did in response to this was basically, like, create containers for people to do their own shit and, like, take Mm -hmm. control. Is that, like, a fair Mm -hmm. way to synthesize how you feel like you you all addressed it?
1: 100%. And I think, like, that was baked into the intentionality of the DAO design to start. Like that's why we started with guilds. And by the way, like a little more granularity on each of the guilds is like each guild has like one or two guild leads who are like responsible for pioneering that guild. And usually those are the people who like basically like founded and initiated the guild. Um so they're responsible for like creating a roadmap, deciding like what the sort of like objectives of the guild are and then also like how that fits into our wider like vision and mission and goals, and then also recruiting the team for that, managing the team for that, overseeing the projects that like happen um, within that guild. Um, but I think like this, this step recently that we took um, to reform the guilds was an even deeper extension of that. And I think like one way that might manifest in the future, right, is like, where are these guilds in two years, in three years? I would imagine... One possible reality is like each of them has their own treasury and their own governance systems. And maybe we're even using different governance systems per guild, but like the same one as like as a DAO as a whole. And so I think that really manifests. And I also think that is like really healthy and good and like, okay. And I also think that's like healthy and good and okay because within like the broader almost like business strategy or like business model of the DAO, I think it's like necessary for people to be really, really focused on their guild and also on like moving their guild forward in whatever way like works for them So like from the beginning though we've never had a mandate around like each guild needs to have x meetings per week each guild needs to like you know at least have like one check in a week or whatever it's like each guild's their own thing and like the way that you create culture and the way you create processes within your guild is like entirely up to your guild so like my guild the dao ops guild works like super super differently than, like other guilds in boys club and that's like that's really cool too and that's something that i like a lot too
0: yeah i wonder because i think a lot about like this dynamic even when you're thinking about it's kind of like autonomy of a given guild of a given subset of the org part of me wonders if it seems like boys club as a whole has like a very strong sense of identity and togetherness in a way partially because of the way that you've curated who can be in these sort of like concentric circles of like, you know, the audience, the community, and then the DAO. It makes me wonder if like you can give guilds more autonomy when you have a stronger sense of identity and oneness at the DAO level. Do you know what I mean? Oh my God.
1: Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And I think there's so many analogies, like even in just relationships. Feeling more secure, right, in a relationship, Mm. like, also allows you to maybe do more as an individual or, like, kind of depart from the relationship or in other ways where, like, if you were feeling insecurely attached or just, like, not secure in the relationship, you'd be, like, so hyper-focused on it that you wouldn't be able to have your own identity, right? And I do think that's super true. And I think going through this first season and kind of like first life experience of boys club we have come out with a very strong sense of identity and we have come out with like a very strong sense of like this this is us and like this is this is what we do and like this is what we don't do these are the values we stand for and these are the values we don't and this isn't like just like something that's like written in a google Doc that we like memorize and like all say like we (laughs) We were like, oh, like, yeah, like signing, whatever, like signing this thing. <laughs> we never signed anything, by the way. Um, but like, it's more just like more of like a sense of discovering what this thing is together. And so one 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 thing that's super relevant that I also want to touch on about the guilds and about this like reformation is we just did Dow Rush, as I said. And one of the exercises in preparation for that was for each guild to create like a one pager with like their Mm -hmm. mission statement like what is the guild like for what is it about how does it contribute to like the wider vision of boys club what are the kind of like values or objectives within that guild and like you know what are the activities and it was so awesome we made this like slideshow which honestly like it'd be cool to post online i don't know like i don't know if we can but i'll send it to you but like basically in the slideshow each guild has a slide where they have like their their mission statement, like their objectives. And like I'll just read like I have it pulled up right now. I'll just like read one to you. So like Programming Guild on their slide, their mission is create the daily environment that makes Boys Club the place for connecting, learning and building in the new inner. Create a rich programming schedule throughout the year that sets the vibe and cadence of the DAO. Plan and host the Boys Club online and local events. Focused around three pillars: social learning and building, learn, measure, and iterate on the kinds of event and content that our community loves. To give you a sense of, like DAO upskilled, um, our mission was to, our mission is to design, iterate, and maintain the DAOs on and off-chain operational and organizational structure so we can collectively and effectively get shit done. A few like bullet points on that: iterate on how we DAO governing um incentivizing collective action decision making treasury strategy diversification investments reporting budgeting updating and iterating on operational processes to allow members to coordinate and execute on shared initiatives managing projects etc but like you can see like each skill kind of hopefully from like those two examples has its own kind of like voice and vibe and like purpose um and i'm excited to see that built out more
0: totally And I really love your point around relationships of, like, the more security you feel in a relationship, the more you feel like you can go off and kind of do your own thing. I think that is fascinating, and it kind of makes me think that ultimately a lot of this stuff really does come down to, like, everyone says it, but, like, it is a cultural thing. Like, how much some of these systems work is so heavily based on how much people vibe together or whether or not they vibe together. And so, I don't know, it makes me think that, like, you can get away with some really, really lightweight structures when you uphold a standard around, you know, who you let in and what that looks like and and what it looks like to be a part of an organization, which kind of makes me think, like, as we wrap up, when you think about, you mentioned, like, you know, you're pretty careful about who you let into the community, but I would imagine you're, like, very careful about who can contribute. And so I'm curious, like, what does that filtering process look like? Like, how do you filter for like a a vibe?
1: For sure. For sure. In terms of like DAO contributors, right?
0: Mm hmm.
1: So this is something we're like experimenting with right now, like live, like we haven't had a DAO brush before. Um, So this is like the first formal and like real and like explicit time that we're like, hey, apply to, like, join our team, you know, which is, like, fucking huge. Like, I'm so excited about it. And, like, (laughs) yesterday we had DAO Rush and basically it was, like, this call that was, like, an informational session about what the DAO is and then about, like, each of the guilds and about their needs and what they're working on. And, like, oh, my God, everyone was, like, spamming the chat. It was, like, crazy. I was, like, (laughs) I was just maybe so excited. But to get back to your question, I think, like, number one, the first answer is we're still figuring that out right now. I think also, though, we're looking for way more than just vibes. We're looking for skills and experience. And and I think, like, the most important thing, though, and this does tie back into, like, the vibe thing you said, is being in a doubt is really hard. And this was literally a slide in the presentation that has, like, a Wojak meme of, like, all the Wojaks, like, putting their hand on, like, one Wojak shoulder in this, like, supportive way. This <laughs> is because, like... Working in a DAO is really hard. It's like hard to not have a super direct manager. It's hard when everyone's working or most, most people are working part time. It's hard when you have questions about something or want to, you have to like have a lot of ownership and you have to like make your own decisions and be able to like get things done without necessarily always having external input or like sign off. And one thing that we really emphasize is like we're looking for people who are like self starters and mm-hmm. who are like super high ownership individuals and who are really excited to like have an idea of like what they want to help shape and build within Voice Club. But also people who like there are some like needs, like there's some must, like you have to have accountability, like you have to be really accountable, like self-accountable and you really have to be good at holding others accountable you also need to have really good communication skills because everything falls apart, if not. Like, also, like, relationships, right? Like, and this could even just be as simple as, you know, a contributor saying, like, hey, I'm going through a really hard time now or I'm going through a breakup or I'm going on vacation with my family. I'm not going to be online. And that makes all the difference for the rest of the Gildner ability to coordinate and execute. But without without that, like, there's, there's such a... um it's harder. It's harder to like mobilize as a group. And so I think like just people with like tenacity and endurance and grit and ownership and enthusiasm, and then also people with with like a diversity of skill sets and backgrounds and experiences in this space. And I think like one point on that as well is like each guild is like really, really, really looking for different things. And so, you know, some maybe are looking more for content. Some maybe are looking for operations. Like some maybe are looking for more just like, Advisor builder type people, like it really depends. But yeah, hopefully that answers your question.
0: Yeah, totally. One final question for you before we wrap up. Something that I think is fascinating is you mentioned in the beginning, like you got very down the AI ethics rabbit hole. Um, when I think about this idea of like control versus scale, I kind of feel like we're seeing this happen at a very high level in the AI ethics space, which is obviously I'm just diverging from Web3 now, but I'm so curious how you think about it. You know, like today there was the big open letter about like we need to stop training all AI data sets, blah, blah, blah. I'm curious how you think about something like that in this context of like the two wolves.
1: Yeah. Great question. I will say I'm not an expert on AI ethics anymore. Um, I also like definitely have some I, I've been like reading and hearing about what's been happening over the past few days but i'm not super deep in the nuances but i do have opinions one thought is like i like of course we should be thoughtful and intentional and just like precautionary around like the potential risks of any technology at the same time like for me personally like a lot of my values are not aligned with government regulation and I do think like there's like one question that I would sort of just put out generally to the world right now is like how often does banning something or like like censoring something, like intentionally, right? I can't think of the word right now, but like like abstinence, absence. How often does that actually like work? Like usually mm-hmm. that doesn't work and usually it actually results in like the exact opposite of like what you wanted it to like kind of like help mitigate right I, I would say and so I think there's like a thoughtfulness there I also like like I think it's really important that we are thoughtful about AI and like I've been reading about you know the paperclip club experiment <laughs> for a while it's like obviously there's huge risks but I also think like I don't know there's the, there's some of it that it just that just doesn't land like like deeply deeply seriously for me and by that I, I'll give it an anecdote like I was listening to, like, the BBC World News podcast this morning, which I listen to, like, every day on my way to work. And they covered, you know, this push for, like, AI, like, innovation to slow down. And they had this guy, this, like, journalist on. And he was, like, basically, like, espouting the position of he thinks, like, all AI development should be paused or halted for some period of time, like, right now, to mitigate potential risks. And one of the sort of, like, examples he gave of why AI is bad as he like gave this example of this journalist from the new york times who experimented with an ai and like who the ai basically like told like leave your wife like leave your family like be with me even though he was kind of guiding her in that direction i was just like come on dude it's like it's not real it's literally an ai and i think that's also part of the danger too is like we just we need to like treat this like it is which is a technology and not a human and like Mm. I don't know. I think there's a really like important consideration like there too is like things are going to get weird and bad in the way that like people don't want it to get if we start taking every single thing that like an AI says literally. And I also think there is like one one other one other thought here is I definitely understand and like an I'm very empathetic around sensitivity to like just like beliefs or or sort of you know lines of thinking that can be harmful to other people especially marginalized identity groups at the same time like i like the first iteration of like chad gb3 that they put out like as i'm sure you know it had all these like self-censoring techniques about what it could talk about what it couldn't what kinds of jokes it could make like what things it deemed like inappropriate right so like anything about like body size or weight or race or anything like that but in doing that it actually like began to espouse in incorrect infactual factual information and I think there's a real danger in designing technology and designing AIs solely based on one person's or like a small group of people's beliefs systems and I think, like, the question that I would pose for people who disagree with that to consider is, like, what would happen if the people who had opposite political views as you, um, if they were the ones designing this AI and deciding what was censored versus not and what was appropriate versus not? Like, they probably wouldn't like that. And so, like, there's also, like, this other thing that happens when ChatGPT 3 like, censored itself, is censoring itself in that way, which is, like, AI becomes only, like, useful to the Western world. So, for example, like, when you would ask, like, this gb 3 a question about another country that involved, like, sensitive topics, maybe, around, like, the Western world and, like, our current, like, political climate beliefs, like, it would often, like, refuse to answer those questions. Or, like, it would refuse to make jokes about certain countries. And it would refuse to comment on certain things that were factual, right, about other countries. But like what this did in practice is like it actually like limits and like disables people in other countries to use this technology because it's not relevant to them and because it doesn't serve them and it serves only like Western beliefs and Western kind of ideas of what's appropriate, which in this case sometimes means like completely not even talking about another country at all. And like I think there's a huge danger in that too. So like while I like agree with like the intention behind like wanting to be thoughtful and like respectful of like the like the context of like American history and like the oppression and marginalization and like horrible systems that have happened in them and not like driving that into the future. I also think there's a danger in like trying to censor or put too many parameters around that and around a wider beliefs system and signaling effect like of political beliefs and a belief system where it actually locks out like the majority of the world and only allows like the western world to use this technology which i think is like really really hypocritical and like kind of like dog fooding at scale in a weird way anyways yeah so those are my thoughts i'm really curious to hear yours i'm really curious to hear like if anything i said like lands with you if if you feel like like a different way take it with a grain of salt because like I don't spend all my time thinking about this, but those
0: are my sort of initial feelings and thoughts right now. I think that's fascinating. There are two things that stand out to me that I'll just call out before we wrap. One of them is the exact dynamic that I think you're kind of getting at is this this tension between control and scale, like the idea that Um, adding a ton of parameters. And I don't think about the stuff nearly as much as you have or as a lot of other people do. But I think that's like a, a fascinating, again, calling back to that dynamic. And then the second thing that I think is really interesting that you said is this idea that like about that guy who like basically baited an AI to tell it something fucked up and then said, look at what the AI did. Like, I think that there's a really interesting dynamic here where we totally are like like gaslighting ai almost where we're like and and that alone i guess is treating it like a human but in the sense where we're like or, or i guess we're treating it more like theatrics maybe is a better way to think about it but we like set up this whole show right we try to get ai to perform in a certain way and then when it does we're like oh my god everyone like look at how fucked up this is and it's like well yeah, but also like you did so much to get it to the point where it's saying that, that it's just like hard to, you know, it's hard to see it. And and I think you're totally right to say that it, we shouldn't be seeing it as human in that sense, because so much of it is actually coming, not even just from data sets, though, that's a different conversation. It's also just coming from what we're giving it, you know? So I just think that's a fascinating um, perspective. And I I've been wanting to do a little bit more of like a crypto AI crossover exploration. And so this is just a fun little taste of, you know, AI ethics and things.
1: Okay, we love this. We love this. I think it'd be one idea. Just like, I don't know if you like care about my input, but I just had idea No, I love it. For the pod, for your pod. So, like basically, like one idea is like inviting like people who are working on AI or in AI and people who are working in crypto. But like have some similar like thread or like have some similar like interest in like what they're building or what they're like thematically interested in to like talk about that topic and talk about how it relates their industries and kind of have like a back and forth. And then another idea is like, I don't know exactly what this would like look like, but I think it'd be really cool to somehow like facilitate conversations and like almost like workshopping like discussions and sessions around what is the design space here and like how can we take like this primitive in crypto or this primitive in DeFi, or this primitive in web free or like core value and use ai to enhance it or vice versa like the first thing that like when i first like started like playing around with chat gpd3 i was like okay who's layering tokens on top of this first like obviously right Mm. like that makes so much sense by the way i'm 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 kind of like anti-tokenization right now honestly like I'm going through like this moment of like, I like need a meme about it and I posted it the other day of like, Drake, like, find product market fit before you like just like randomly launch a token. But that was like the, my first thought with ChatGP3. I was like, it makes sense to like tokenize this. And so I think like it'd be cool to bring people together to like who have an idea to like get feedback from the, the opposite fields on like how could their field potentially integrate into this and what could that look like? Cause I also think like for listeners, like, For me, I know like listening to that kind of discussion conversation would also help inform like my framework for like for like what is possible in the design space of the intersection of crypto and AI, which like could have a cool like ripple effect where like you're facilitating these conversations and producing this podcast that like low key like feeds into like the mind share of like crypto and AI and then helps the
0: industries collaborate. I love that. And also, as a side note, we might need to do an episode on the anti-tokenization thing, just because I think that is a very interesting perspective. And I've had a few people that I've talked with lately over the last few months, honestly, about kind of being anti-token and the downsides of liquidity. So we might have to do a follow up on that. But Parker, this was so wonderful and so fun. Where can people learn more about you and all the wonderful things that you're working on?
1: Um, the best way to learn more about me to keep up with me is to follow my Twitter at ParkerJAYP. I'm pretty responsive there. Like, if you DM me, actually, some DMs get lost in this weird folder, but yeah, I'll check it. That's the best way to keep up with me. I also have a website that I'm still working on. It's not perfect yet, but the MVP is there. It's Parker on the inter.net. But yeah, and I just want to say, Chase, like, I don't know if you know this, but I am a huge, huge fan of you. Oh, thank you. And just like, I love your brain. I'm obsessed with it. I've been following your Twitter <laughs> for a while. Some of like your writing and research for Orca and just generally like around DAOs and governance, like really informed a lot of like my kind of, I guess, like first principles for thinking about this space. and. I really appreciate all the work that you're doing and driving in the ecosystem like i I really think like you're one of the people that and there there are not many that I can point to, but like one of the people I could point to where I feel like this is someone that is actually driving the space forward in terms of like moving the research forward, creating resources like and also like like really thinking about the design space of what's possible, and so I really appreciate all the work that you're doing and just like. You generally are so cool. So like when you like invited me on this pod, I like I texted dina and Tasha. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like Chase invited me. <laughs> like, like yeah.
0: So uh, oh well, I so appreciate that. It means so much, and really, truly, have been loving everything that you guys have been doing and and watching from sort of Twitter. And you know, you and I had a conversation a while back on on some of the Boys Club stuff. So really truly like love what you're doing in the space and honestly we might need to make a part two with dina and natasha and just do it all bring everyone on
1: i'm so down i'm so down to talk about the token thing i have a lot of feelings around that
0: let's do it we're we're doing some anti-financialization honestly (laughs) we can use it in the space um but thank you so much for coming on the show this was truly so much fun
1: this is wonderful
0: thank you so much for having me if you like what you heard, please make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast. I always forget to do this for podcasts I like, but it's actually super useful. Also, if anything resonated with you or if you want to continue the conversation, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Chaser Chapman. I absolutely love talking about these things. Thanks again for listening.